Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Rob Santos, and I am joined, as I always am, of course, by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? Now, today, Drew and I are wrapping up on the second installment in Daniel Polanski's Low Town trilogy with Tomorrow, The Killing. Now, just just a reminder before we get into the uh, episode proper, though, if you do enjoy our content and you want to, you know, join the exclusive group of people that get access to things like all episodes release days to a week in advance or the chance to suggest a book for us to cover at a later date, you know, con- consider checking out our Patreon at Inking Out Loud. Or we also have a page on Coffee. That's K-O-F-I, Inking Out Loud. Now, I'm a little anxious to get into uh, today's episode in particular, be- mainly because I think my opinions are going to irritate some people. So <laughs> let's dive right in, Drew. How did this last book end? Not this last book, this most recent book end. Pardon. Yeah. Tomorrow, the killing moves quickly through its second half as Warden's webs of deceit start to unravel. He meets with Adisu to collect his cut from the drug haul the bruised fruit mob took from the Giroys, but Adisu blackmails him by threatening to reveal what he's figured out about Warden's manipulation. Warden plays it cool, but hurries to Black House and convinces Guiscard to kill Adisu and his mob of drug addicts before his plans can be ruined. From there... Warden is scrambling to keep things together as the association builds steam. The Giroys retaliate, killing four veterans, and Pretorius in turn attacks the Hen and Harpy, forcing Warden along to help. They completely destroy the Giroys' syndicate, but Warden murders Roussel during the attack. Proudland and Rabbit are suspicious. After confrontations with Adolphus about their history in the army, Warden finds himself called back to Black House, this time under the tender care of Crowley, who was a changed man since Warden's victory in the first book. Instead of meeting Guiscard, however, Warden is given an interview with the old man, and all comes to light. Warden himself was behind Roland's death, but Pretorius and General Montgomery also betrayed that heroic founder of the association. Warden realizes that all of his work was playing into the hands of the old man, and hurries to the rally to save Adolphus and Wren. He gets Wren moving quickly, but Adolphus is stubborn. While they're arguing, the old man plays his hand. Explosives go off in the crowd of veterans, setting off a full-scale running riot. Crowdland and Rabbit trap Warden and are about to kill him, but Adolphus saves him at the last minute. Warden then heads to General Montgomery's manor, where he kills Botha and confronts Edwin. Edwin takes his own life under duress, and Warden retires to the Earl. He wraps up a drug deal with the help of Wren, hoping to teach the boy a crucial lesson for surviving in Lowtown. Okay, so let's yeah. talk. Let's talk, Drew. Let's. Uh, I was I was not a big fan of this one either. Uh, the, the first one I actually liked a little more than this one. I was I was, I was expecting something a little more out of this whole um, Veterans Day ride at the end, so especially particularly more on the front of Adolphus and Wren and like actual you know danger and, and sacrifice and heartbreak and we, it was yeah. it was we it uh, honest honestly there were many moments that made me laugh out loud generally with with wardens you know never-ending sharp wits you know but at the same time this book to me was warden goes to meet pretorius and then he goes to meet giscard and he goes to meet mazzy and then he goes to meet the gang leaders you know the Giroy and the and uh, the Bruce fruit and then he goes to meet Pretorius again and then he goes to meet Adisu and then it's just it's it's the same thing again and again and again intermittently split up with him returning to you know uh the Earl huffing some dust 
pissing everybody there off and then passing out and hating himself. That's yeah. It's just this recurring thing. Sorry, go ahead. I have extremely mixed emotions about this book. On the one hand, Polanski is as good as he's ever been in terms of crafting clever sentences. um, As you said, you know, cracking jokes through Warden, uh, making the reader somehow care about this character, despite him being an even worse person in this book than he was in the first one. I lost that myself. Um, But at the same time, I, I never felt like there was much urgency to the book. Like you said, there, there were never strong stakes. Um, it, it felt like Polanski was trying to do two different things in this book. On, on the one hand, he was trying to more deeply explore uh, Warden's PTSD. You know, uh, the reason he's become the person he is and how that connects back to his time in the army. And so that's, that's you know, kind of task one that Polanski set out to do. And then task two is to uh, set off this political powder keg of revolution and, and really upset the, or, or at least threaten to upset the natural order in, in the city. And, and I don't think he ever quite managed to marry those well. I, I, yeah. I yes. felt he did a good job of exploring uh, Warden's internal landscape. I thought there were some really profound moments uh, showing us how damaged Warden and Adolphus really were. Mm. But at the same time, I never felt those stakes with with the Veterans Association and, and the potential chaos and civil war um, you know, I, I talked about in, in our first episode on Tomorrow the Killing about how I was reading Faded Steel Heat by Glenn Cook. Uh, it's you know one of the Garrett P.I. books and, and how similar uh, the plot was in Faded Steel Heat and Tomorrow the Killing, where there's uh, there was this massive war that that basically for a long time, you know, took up all the manpower of of this country and now they're all the wars over and all these veterans are in the city and and there's like veterans rights groups and human rights groups and you know because that that world has non-humans as well um and yeah 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 and the main character is getting like kind of dragged in where he doesn't really sympathize with the rights groups but he uh, has to infiltrate them in order to figure out what he needs to figure out and i i just really felt like glenn cook did a way better job of making the potential violence feel immediate, feel dangerous. Uh, And I think this goes back to my biggest criticism of the first book as well, where I, I haven't connected with the setting. Yeah. You know, where, where we talked about how urban fantasy, you you really need to care about the city. You need to care about the urban setting because it, it at its best, it almost becomes its own character. You know, when we talk about some of the cities in, in a gentleman bastards or, or divine cities or, you know, whatever you, you have a really vivid image and you care, you're attached to the cities. And here with Regis, I still don't have that. And so I don't, I don't really care that, 
there may be a revolution, you know, like, and so like on the one hand, I loved part of this book. And on the other hand, I was super let down. <laughs> no, you, I actually agreed with everything you said. I, I think, I, I think I agree with every single thing you said. You're right. There were, there were like, and I tried to say it uh, earlier, but um, I, I wasn't quite as eloquent. I I, just, I can't, there, there are things I liked, but it, the, the, the things that I disliked were so stark and they were so mm, just, I don't know. I expected yeah. more. Polanski, uh, I was I was so hyped up after The Builders. And I, I still feel like this next book is probably going to blow my mind, particularly <laughs> yeah. after this one. Well, I was so disappointed. I just, this yeah, a lot of politics, obviously. I'm very well known for not caring for politics. So I, I highly <laughs> sure. doubt that anyone's going to be, that listens to our podcast, you know, is going to be particularly surprised that that part didn't land with me here. Yeah. It's I, weird. It, it is really weird how I'm still excited for the third book, despite like, like this is this. Book. I think it's the hype though. That's exciting. That's just honestly, and it's, yeah. it's just listener hype. I think that's, that's doing it well, for me right now. Oh, really? Listener hype. But honestly, yeah, I, for me, I still have enough trust in Polanski's skill as a writer. Um, I'm just worried about his skill as a plotter. Yeah. Um, that's kind of why I'm like, just, just, mm, I've lost my little, cause I, I, I'm sure it's going to be entertaining and it's going to be fun, but it, I don't know how, like the story overall, I, I may come out of it feeling like let down still. It's like, uh, yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, yeah. I, so on, on style sticking with this kind of yes. overall breakdown yes. of the book, there were a lot more flashbacks in this book. I liked the flashbacks. I yeah. really liked the flashbacks. As okay, I, they are obviously. That was what I was going to ask you. Like, uh, and I think in a way, like I really enjoyed reading those flashbacks. But I think the flashbacks made the book weaker because they were so much better than oh. a lot of the current <laughs> I see. stuff. So they just they just kind of like cast a lot of the darker shadows, you know, into uh, yeah. more yeah. contrast. Like, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Like, I, like I, those yeah. were the scenes where I really like I was engaged with Warden and and some of the revelations. Like, man, the battle yes. at uh at, at yes. Alnis, holy cow! Yes, I mean, we'll we'll definitely be talking about that later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and but then you Ask go from that name. to him, like, oh. like you know, drunk in his little off bend house, and yep. and Crowley comes in. And, and you're expecting, like, oh, man, Crowley's showing up now. All right, let's go. This is going to get crazy. And then it's just, like... Another meeting. Another meeting with the old man. And and because I wasn't... I wasn't ever, like, gripped by the threat of the association and the revolution, that, that big revelation at the end of the chapter when he meets with the old man... Yeah. ...didn't <laughs> fully land. And so I was like, you go from this incredible high of seeing the true hero of Aunus and then this letdown immediately after like it the true hero yeah i think those two chapters right there are are this book in a nutshell the the Uh, duality of this book you're right you're very very right you're uh, 100% I'm, I'm behind you there I will I will stand with you on that right there I just mm-hmm. there's a few points in this book I also thought like Polanski wasn't being particularly subtle he's uh, like with with particularly with with the flaws in Warden as a character he's, he's the way he's just so certain about specific things that that turn out to, to really you know 
kick his ass in the end. Like, for example, in chapter 26, I wrote, I had this quote right here because I stopped. And then even though I think we actually ended chapter 26 last yeah. week, didn't we? So this yeah, is technically did. from the very, very end of last week. Two wide handprints were bruised into his neck. This is uh, Iron Stomach. Yeah. Had they been made by the same pair that had done rain, somehow I didn't doubt it. Not that I needed confirmation, but I had it. Joachim Pretorius had killed Rain's advisor just as he'd killed Rain herself. And I'm at this point, I'm going, mm, in Beaconfield, in last book, though, are you already forgetting Beaconfield, Warden? Like, come on, right. you're going for some twist here, aren't you? How are you not picking up on this? But uh, Now, I will say, uh, I, I'm going to give Polanski props here. I was totally wrong with my prediction in this book, where I nailed it in Lowtown. I thought in this book that Rain was still alive and that there was some kind of switcheroo, some kind of body double, that Rain was still alive. I did not expect the general to be behind it. See, I I did. I'll tell you one side of this that I did appreciate. I did appreciate that uh, the general was behind Roland's death as well. Yeah. I was like, like, okay. There was, there was great, like, profound character work it was it was just the stakes of the plot itself ah (laughs) yeah so so yeah like this is this is just such a a weird book man like i (laughs) i know it feels like an excellent author who's been given a, a less than excellent plot to he's like here you go you run to write this and, and, and like right. it it could have been an excellent plot though like it, it, there was just some fundamental disconnect between the layers of the story and 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 i think a, a disconnect between me and the setting as a reader that it, it's it's like i've sat down with a, a puzzle right and, and you know and it's some like monet painting yeah. But the last couple pieces don't fit together. <laughs> really? And I have like three big chunks of puzzle all beautiful and put together, but they don't fit together. Yeah. You, you, what really did it for me a little bit when I noticed it a lot was was in the climactic scene during the Veterans Day riot when Adolphus shows up to save uh, Warden and everything. Like it we keep getting these descriptions of the crowd that's going by or a crowd being in the way or just chaos happening or the noise of, of, of battle and the tumult. And I'm, I kept being surprised. Oh yeah. There's people around. Oh yeah. This is happening directly in the city. Cause I'm only focusing on the characters. No part of my brain is invested in the actual, in waiting to see what's going to happen to Lowtown or what the citizenry is going through or what these people are going through. It's, well, they're going through shit yesterday. They're going to go through shit tomorrow. This chaos and stuff. I'm not, I don't care about this. I'm just caring about where's Adolphus? Where's Ren? You know, like, Oh, I see. I, was... I think, I think one of the issues, I actually made a note of this, uh, in that scene, this is a, I'm sure a deliberate choice on Polanski's part. Um, but it's kind of baggage that comes with the narrative style, where this is Warden telling the story after the fact, and sure. Warden is an unreliable narrator, right? Like, uh, well, so often he'll he'll just vaguely hint at things instead of actually describing them. And here, I think that's a problem, where he's getting crushed to death in the middle of a, a stampede. Yeah. But you never feel the urgency of that stampede because you don't because he doesn't really describe it until after the fact. 
you know, he gets out of the stampede and then he has this snarky offhand one-liner about how like all of his bruised ribs and he's like, that was the first clean breath I had taken and I don't know how long, but I know it wasn't as long as it felt like. And it's like, that like that moment should have been intense yeah. and it wasn't because he didn't he didn't talk about how dangerous it really really was he didn't like he said there's a stampede going on but it wasn't impressed upon us in the moment that he was so like yeah. in such danger like he gets knocked down at one point and then he just gets back up and you're like okay you know he's like wow that would have been a really crappy way to die Oh, I remember um, that line. You know, and and it's like, okay, cool. So so if if he got knocked down and he was able to get back up, you think, all right, yeah, like he's in some danger, but like it's not that bad. If he was able to get back up, he's fine. And then after the fact, we find out like no, like he was getting like crushed to the point where he couldn't even take a deep breath. But yeah, if you only we, find out that danger after the danger has passed. The descriptor when it comes is appropriate yeah. and it's a great descriptor but yeah, it's and, mistimed it's not placed where it needed to be mm-hmm. and and yeah. this is kind of an artifact of this narrative style which like i i'm not going to begrudge polanski for using overall because because it gives us great opportunity for humor and for for character insight uh but for this sort of tension i i think it failed hmm Go, go, like continuing on with, <laughs> with my point about the, the the lack of subtlety that I saw too. In chapter forty four, mm-hmm. I have another point that I want to talk about here. As the day of the Veterans Day riots are, you know, started, clouds gathered. It was still hot as the inside of a boot, but a drape had been pulled across the sun, and the storm rumbled in the distance. You couldn't see it yet, but you could feel it. I was like, "Oh, come on! <laughs> you might as well mm-hmm. just stop to hear Polanski and wrote." orchestral buildup in the stage uh-huh. directions. Like what, why do we have to have something so cliche just thrown so obviously right there? That just pulled me so well, hard out of the story. This is he- an interesting point uh, because I was actually confused. Okay. Uh, at the, when, About- when the riot is starting, yeah. when, when Warden shows up and he's like telling Ren to get out of there and he's arguing with Adolphus. It's kind of suddenly already happening and around he, them. There's mm-hmm. one sentence where he's like, the storm wasn't here, but it was just oh, a couple streets yeah. off and you could hear it. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, is he talking literally or metaphorically? And then the bombs start going off and you're like, was he hearing thunder from the storm or was he hearing bombs going off? Yeah. Like, like I was actually confused about what Polanski was trying to do with oh, that. So like I mean, just the storm of the, of the riot, you know, people just can't, the pandemonium chaos, just like, but like, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it just, it was just, I was expecting a little more subtlety in, in like, as, again, on a sentence-by-sentence level, I love his writing. I love Polanski's writing. He's got a lot yeah. of very clever things to, to easy to be. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> at a loss for words. so weird. I'm at a loss for words. I'm <laughs> supposed to be finding the right words to try and cover and review these words, and I, I'm at a loss here. I just, uh, I'm serious. That's why this book is so weird, because it, you can tell you're reading the work of a talented writer. But in this particular instance, he just didn't execute yeah. somehow. If I like, sum I... Up, 
if I could stop this book and annoys it, it would just be like, uh huh. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> think this was a bad book. I didn't like it, but I won't call it bad either. Yeah, like I, I gave this three stars on Goodreads. Really, like I'd give this like a five out of ten. You know, mm. this is. But but the weird thing, okay, here's a comparison for you. I would say overall, most of the books in the Dresden Files are better books than this one. Yes. But I don't think I was more excited to read the next book in the series at any point in the Dresden Files as I am right now to read She Who Waits. Huh. (laughs) You, I may be a... I like, may be on the same boat. That's like, what, it's weird so weird. Like, like Butcher, yeah, he he had his his stumbles. Don't get me wrong. I and we've gone over that, but he absolutely wrote some really solid, like just tight plot. You know, boom, 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 hit those points. Shining characters had had some elements. had some good thematic elements at points uh Spectacle. like talk about skin game you know where he just like <laughs> nailed a, a really fun heist story and and it was yeah. like yeah he's not as good a writer as daniel polanski like at at no point am i glowing words. over his prose the way yeah. i'm glowing over some of the prose from polanski here but but it was a better constructed book than tomorrow the killing is like at the it's so hard for me to wrap my head around this. <laughs> yeah, you you talked about last in our last episode about these. Um, what I call them cinematic pullbacks um, or fourth wall breaking. I think it was you, you didn't call them that, but you brought them up last time. But where these moments where mm. Warden, as a narrator, directly addresses the reader, reminding us, or you said confirming actually, this is an in world recounting of events. You know that this is yes, uh, this is a recounting. So like, it, it, like it's it's still rare in this book though. Those moments were still there. I think I picked up on like three of them. Um, they, uh-huh. we were just talking about uh-huh. the veterans' riot. Yeah, what would come to be known later as the Veterans Day riots. I was like, oh, okay, so yep, that's right. But they're still so rare. I was expecting to get a little more of that towards you know, the end of this. Uh, there was another point um, where where I thought it was. Uh, no, I don't want to make a judgment of like like a. I don't want to judge this. I just want to point out the weirdness of it. And this is again, something that you could only really do if you're using this literary conceit of warden telling the story in retrospect. And it's when he's fighting rabbit and rabbit beats him and rabbit is about to kill him. And we get a palm reached out of the fog and wrapped itself around rabbit's skull, pulling it towards the wall and dragging the rest of his body along with it. The passageway was ruined brick, but all the same, Rabbit's bald head created a sizable indentation. Yeah, I have. He slumped slowly to the ground, leaving a streak of blood in his wake. The hand attaches to an arm, attaches to a body, and it's Adolphus's, and I am saved. He changes tenses in the middle of that last sentence. Oh, yeah. He goes to present tense... For the first two thirds of that sentence, and then he finishes it with "and I am saved" and reverts to past tense, and that's only something that you could do if this is Warden in the present telling you a story about the past. Mm-hmm. But it was 
really jarring to read because I'm pretty sure this is the only point in the entire book or in two books now where he has done this. <laughs> I'm going to sell myself out as such a super nerd right now. I, what I thought, cause I, I had written down an entire point to rant on this exact moment with uh rabbit's head hitting the wall and, and, and causing that little, that little cave in. And I was like, but for me, it was just the physics of it. I'm like, you're going to put a dent in a brick wall with a dude's head. I mean, Adolphus is not a superhuman. That's just physically impossible. Like to, But I was just, I was 100% so zeroed in and focused in on the physics of no matter how big mm-hmm. Adolphus can be, just mass and, and acceleration. And I wasn't even considering tense. I, I was still so far over my head. I had not even remotely picked up on that until you just brought it up. Well, so this is an example of the unreliable nature of Warden as a narrator, because he's aware of this. So he is absolutely, no, he is absolutely um, uh, exaggerating when he's talking about uh, making an indentation. And on the next page, it's like he realizes that he's exaggerated. And he tries to cover his tracks when he exactly. says, while I'm aware that it is not literally possible for a punch to knock a man's head off, and then somehow Rob that's the only description it. that fits. Rob is pausing the audiobook right there and pulling out his phone angrily and going, what did you just do, Warden? <laughs> what are you doing? Yep. Ugh, I was that's, so angry when he like he just does that to himself. It's a great <sighs> example of an unreliable narrator. I don't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it. See, I, I do like it. I, I do like it because it, <laughs> it informs Warden as a character here because he's telling the story to somebody, right? And he says this thing that is straight out of a Looney Tunes, right? Like of, of somebody's head getting smashed into a wall and like carving a furrow out of the yeah. wall. I'm like, bro. And, and like anybody who takes a sentence like. to think about that is like, no, that that's not actually what happened. And he's telling somebody this and he can probably see their skepticism but and then when it comes time for him to dramatize the next stage of the fight he's like okay okay yeah i get it because he warden is a vain person he wants people to respect his intelligence and here he's backpedaling uh <laughs> I, maybe, maybe. I just what, what didn't he like? He described though when he originally described Adolphus swinging Rabbit at the wall. The the description of the wall we got was how broken down and how rotten and how battered and and everything it already was. I felt like that was Warden trying to so- well, <laughs> soften it up for the, for the story there. But yeah, you're he right. says it was ruined brick. Ruined that's, brick. Well, yeah. that's not as not as much of a descriptor as I thought it was then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, that's just, I, I was so over, I just zeroed in so hard. I laser focused in on that. Like, that's impossible. Come on. I hate it when authors do this. Like, yeah. this guy's not a superhuman, but you're right. I'm, I'm still not considering it in the context of it being colored by the warden and his reliability as a narrator or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I haven't gotten to the style. My style points on this. Have you, or do you have anything else style oriented you want to? Uh, no, I think I'll, I can save my other notes there for miscellaneous. It's pretty good of a, it's pretty good segue into Warren himself as a character then though. Cause yes, then it we're, is. We're still on him. You know. So uh, to start off, go ahead. Yeah. You don't like Warden anymore. No. You, you hey, don't. what gave that away? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I can't blame you. 
is anybody supposed to like Ward at this point? Like, like so, so I think there's a, a distinction. Whether you like him or not is not the same as whether you're rooting for him or not. I'm not rooting anymore. Okay. Stop because I do me. not like Warden, but I am still invested. I'm rooting for him to, uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I mean, this is, this is how you do a good anti-hero, a true anti-hero. I'm going to compare him to Angus Thermopylae right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, Angus, I, I was always rooting for him. I'm like, you can do better. You have it in you to do better. I remember that. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And and the author, if if they nail the balancing act, they show you just enough to say, yes, he can do better. Maybe he's inching toward better. You know? But then they're interspersing it with him just being a terrible person. And, and and it's it's difficult to, to balance that frustration with how horrible they are as people and that hope for them to get better. And I think, for me, Polanski is hanging on to that balance. Hmm. I, I, I can't... I just... I cannot find a fuck to give about about warden his plans his welfare or his happiness in any way anyway like he seems to be a man whose virtues have completely entirely abandoned him leaving only the flaws that's all that's behind see but that's that's why i think the last scene in this book is so important because warden like ap- apologizes he apologizes to ren you know he he tells him straight away he's like look i i had to get you out of that riot i had to get you out of there before you were going to be in danger and ren says i know and then Warden goes on to say, the other things, I could have done better. And then he brings Ren with him on his errands, and then they go and they they sit out on, you know, over the over the docks, and and they kind of just have this moment together. And they don't even yeah. really talk, you know. I mean it's spoiled it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean that that was that but was But nice. there's this moment of of fatherhood. And it's those things that Polanski seeds in where you're like, Warden still has buried within him a stroke of decency. Uh, I'm not feeling fatherhood. That's that's Adolphus with me. I'm feeling like older brother, like abusive older brother. The Warden is sure. just like... Or uncle. You know, but yeah, whatever. Sure. He's, he's a role model. You know, he's a masculine role model for Ren. Yeah. And... Unfortunately. That's like, and this yeah. book, like for most of the book... It was painful. Like, he's abusive. Oh, I mean, he yeah. just... Like, every scene, he's beating Ren. Like, and then at the end here, he admits, not only to himself, but to Ren, I should have done better there. And, and like, man, it's... It's a really, it's a really tough balance, and I can understand fully how some, some readers may say, you know, no, that, that doesn't cut it for me. Uh, that, yeah. that's, he's, he's gone too far. I'm yeah. But, but for me, I'm still hoping that we're going to see a greater shift. I don't think we're ever going to see warden. You know, like this is a, this is a 
grim, dark urban fantasy. We're never going to see Warden become an upright, heroic man. But but I still have hope that we're going to see a turn in him. The way, you know, we did with characters in other grimdark series. I'm, I'm going to tell you what moment it was for me where I decided, all right, I'm just going to wash my hands of Warden. I'm, I'm done rooting for him now. I think the, I think the, mo- if I'm looking back, the moment it was, um, when Adolphus is, is telling Warden after his first speech, the commanders invited me to go speak again tomorrow. And, um, uh, well, the uh, warden says, and this is, this is in the actual quote. I took a last snoot and then put the bottle back in my satchel. Soccer's cock Adolphus. When are you going to give this up? And after, you know, Adolphus is defending himself. He's, he's, he's warden still just like doubling down. Like you don't need the money. It's just more fun for you to play hero than it is to tend the bar. Like how badly did you want warden in that moment to get exactly what he ended up getting? And how badly did you want Adolphus to keep going? Because I certainly did. And now I kind of hate Warden more for bringing that out of me. He's straight up odious as a character. He brings that out of me. See, I, I did not have that reaction to that scene. That scene I was just sad about. Because I saw it being destructive to both of them. Because Adolphus is not, like, Adolphus knows. I mean, like, Warden is not entirely incorrect in his needling of, of Adolphus. That's kind of why it's even worse, I think. And that's, like, that's somebody, that's that's Adolphus, that, you know. Like, and, and so, for me, it's just sad seeing two broken men take it out, like, hurt each other in ways they know are especially painful because they know each other so well. In what way was Adolphus like hurting Warden? He was just kind of like calling because, Warden a jaded, cynical knows. bastard, right? Well, no, Be- because he is accepting a lie about being the hero. And he knows that Warden has these problems with you know, with what the army means. And, and there's one thing like Adolphus could say, you know what? No, I, I understand you, you have this bitterness toward it, but I found brotherhood in the army. I found our brotherhood in the army. He could have gone about that in a different way. He could have gone about that instead of perpetuating the lie that he was the hero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's true. I mean, in that and moment, I we think had that, that yeah. That is the biggest thing that eats away at Warden. We hadn't had that revelation yet at that moment, so my no. anger was entirely yeah. at, at Warden here. I was just like, dude, mm-hmm. are you serious right now? Like, <laughs> But but you could tell, I, I mean, at least for me, because I was still uh, engaged, at, at least on some level sympathetic toward Warden, I could tell that there was something under the surface, something untold as of yet, that was eating away at him because of what uh, Adolphus was doing. And there were so many references to the Battle of Aonis where you're like, okay, something really messed up happened there. And Adolphus is not proud about being the hero. Yeah. 
And yep. and yeah. I, I didn't expect that it was what it ended up being. Yeah, you know, when he I, left the trench, I was like, oh, oh, he's going to go ramble on them. They're going to find him in a pile of limbs six hours yeah. from now. Like, yeah. nope, it was slightly different. He broke. He fled. Yeah. And then and Warden covered for him. And mm-hmm. that was just, oh, that was that was the best moment of the series for me. Uh, was yeah. that revelation when, <laughs> yeah. when, when he's asked his name and he said Adolphus uh, Gustav, I think his name uh, yep. was. And I was like, oh Sergeant my. Adolphus Gustav. I was, I, I did, that was a, that was a wi- eyes widening shock, pause the audiobook going, oh my God, what did he just say moment. Yeah. It, it, one of those did land for me. I will have to admit. I mean, I will still admit all of the things I liked, I will be freely open about, obviously. I mean, I have to be, right? Yeah. To be partial. Like, one of my it. favorite, well. Mm. let's just talk about this let's just talk about this right now because you've already said this is your favorite moment in the series this is my favorite moment in the series as well this is my top scene in the book um one of the things that i thought was so genius about it is that he doesn't explicitly say this is the battle of onus the way early on he's like you know ben harnam or like whatever like he doesn't tell you the location you just know this is a really nasty battle and over the course of the battle, it slowly dawns on you. He never says that it was Roland who showed up to save them. He never says where the battle took place, but he gives you the pieces to connect. And when you do, it's this incredible moment. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the last thing that, that Warden did to piss me off was this thing um he's he's getting giscard in on his dirty work here he's like finally i like that he's giving the multiple reasons why he's getting giscard to dispose of um uh, adisu it's finally i like the idea of having giscard act as my cat's paw it suited my sense of vanity moreover it put some dirt on him shifted the fundamental balance of our relationship giscard would do violence to another man on my behalf would lower himself into the muck along with me Nothing binds two people like a shared sin. Yeah. Great Dude. What the... Dude. (laughs) How how anybody can see... I don't like him, but I'm still rooting for him. How can you root for anything but him dying on his knees like a worm in the next book? (laughs) I... I loathe him. I hate him almost as much as Nick. Sikor- no, I can't say that. Nick Sikor was an no, entirely uh, an entire different close. magnitude of of loathing. But still, uh, just, oh. I just don't like Warden. I want to see him fail. I don't I want like to see him. him fail. I don't like him. Yeah, I want to. See but him. I root I for him. I want I root for those like around him. him. I root for Adolphus. I root for Ren. I, I root for uh, God. I forget his wife's name because she's so Adeline. such a uh, yeah. She's just behind the seat like she's i wanted her to come more into the book oh. no she's Ooh. Uh, so there was one moment in this book where i thought polanski was going to do something that was going to make uh warden irredeemable in my mind oh. and that was when he comes back to the earl mm. and adeline is sitting there and he's like i didn't want to have to do this you know i thought he was going to have warden hit adeline i thought he was going to beat her in that scene and I was like, no, 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 no. no and then yeah, yeah, thankfully, yeah. he did not do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, god damn, man. Just mm-hmm. god damn. Mm-hmm. 
I hope there's something in the next book that, that gives me a reason to root for Warden. I would love to see that. I'm ready for that. I'm still uh, open for that. Please do. I'm telling you, I, I definitely think at this point, your prediction about Ren, like, we're going to see some major conflict between Ren and, and Warden. I just went to stare at the webcam and give you the evil grin, and it's, the webcam's not there, just a blank spot. I just yeah. feel like a dumbass now. We're not <laughs> using webcam for this chat because mine is really old and it's top working recently, but... Damn, I'm just so used to that. I've, this a part of our communication here that I'm, I'm it's it's unconscious at this point. I just go stare at the camera when you say something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Ren has been this subplot for two books, and you know what else? Slowly is growing, freaking yeah. wings. Oh, we'll, wait, we'll wait for predictions actually let's, okay, to get okay. to that next point of mine because yeah, I was yeah. going to bring up something else. But um, yeah, Ren. Okay, we're on Ren. Let's just you know. <sighs> I mean, he's still frustrating. It's just but, not as front and center with it anymore. But he's, um, there were some moments toward the end of the book, especially where Ren really started softening, uh, where we could see his enthusiasm, right? Like he, he seems like any other, you know, teenager desperately hoping for approval from his father, you know? Uh, the way he he kind of hero worships Adolphus, and and I was like, okay, that's good. Now it it I don't think it's going to end well. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately, uh, because think... Warden is absolutely the kind of person who will take advantage of a weakness like that. Uh, yeah. But but we got you know we we got those moments where we see at least some type of healthy growth in Ren. A, a movement toward normalcy as a human being. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, just there were moments where, like, for example, when Warden is telling him that, he's like, hey, you better take this armband with you to see Mazzy. And Ren's like, I don't yeah. I don't need any help. I can figure out what to do on my own. And he used those words, on my own. Mm-hmm. And I stopped and I wrote down, hello, giant shining flag of scarlet. Welcome to the foreground. <laughs> yeah. That just... Nothing's changed with Ren yet. My predictions are the same. I've already explained them. Dark Ren is coming. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but okay, uh, Ren. Uh, anything else, or should we go on? Just get Adolphus out yep. of the way since we were loosely on him there. Uh, yeah. Let's let's do Adolphus. I don't really have much more to say about him that I didn't already say about that one scene. Uh, you know when they argue. Uh, yeah. I wanted he, Adolphus to defend himself. He's more. just a really tragic character in this book, man. Oh boy, is he ever. Yeah, like I mean, we got he's exactly still a badass, but yeah, we got the we got the direction for Adolphus's character that I was hoping for in the last book. You know, like I, I wanted it to go towards this Ren thing. I mean, it didn't go anywhere near so far, you know. <laughs> but uh, Adolphus was my favorite character in book two. Yeah, that I just I wanted mm. him to defend himself more, particularly when when Warren was cutting himself down or cutting him down, and 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 Adolphus actually struck him for the first time, and I was like, oh my god, he finally, after after the warden paid, like, earned it a hundred times, Adolphus finally paid it, and then suddenly Adolphus is sorry, he's like, eyes are wide, and he's like, stammering how sorry he is, I'm like, oh no, this is his, this poor guy, <laughs> I wanted him to defend himself, I'm like, no, you're right, Adolphus, don't cave now, this is the wrong moment, I, I was very invested in Adolphus, so I was I will say Polanski's work with Adolphus is definitely the highlight of this book for me because I, I did have those moments where I could get emotionally invested enough to be frustrated on someone's behalf. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's good. Uh, it's, it's so funny how, how we've like 
bashed this book <laughs> or flinging but shit glowed about this book at the same time <laughs> like like we like we're, we're we're like criticizing the crap out of it on one hand and then just turn around and start talking about how Polanski does something really really well like <laughs> yeah i know it's but it makes it more tragic doesn't it it makes it all, does like, it does uh, nah. uh, anything about the montgomery's that you want to discuss yeah so Okay. Rain was my favorite character in this book. Rain was I, how did you, she, she had two scenes. Okay, she had three if you count the birthday, right? I wanted more from her. I really hoped that my prediction would was gonna come true and, and she was still alive because I wanted more from her. I, I thought she was a splendid character. Yeah. Um in the flashback. Scenes she was. came alive when she was in them. Hmm. I only like, felt that way about the flashback. Like, in, in three scenes, he manages to paint one image. Well, really four scenes, because we get we get the conversation between Edwin and Warden at the beginning, uh, where, where we're given a, a sketch of her personality. Okay. And then, and then the second scene reinforces that. And then the third scene completely... Or, or not the third scene. Uh, the, the third scene starts to show a different side of her. And then the fourth scene completely dismantles that first image. And it's like, this isn't a spoiled girl running off because she doesn't get along with daddy. You know, this is a girl who has discovered things and made a crusade for herself. And then we get the full story at the end and she becomes even more sympathetic. Turns out that she uh, may have had re or may have, you yeah. know, yeah. She, she knew she, she, she knew has... Pretorius and and Edwin betrayed Roland. Yeah, <laughs> like and, and to yeah. not be able to like say exactly that must have been it. It it does make it does. You're right. It does change her a little bit as a character. And when I consider yeah. that looking back on her, yeah. So hmm. I I really liked Rain. <laughs> I thought she was a great character. But she's a great character. Mazzy was also really entertaining. Mazzy was cool. Mazzy, yeah. yeah. I she, am very certain we're going to get more of her in the next book. Yeah, she's the Olenna Tyrell of this book, isn't she? She's just... Uh... <laughs> Ooh, I like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a lot of fun. Um, I'm pretty much... I think I'm through my characters. We just go into our miscellaneous and our predictions now. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, let's see here. Oh, actually, I have a miscellaneous a point just about uh, one of Warden's golden lines that I really appreciated. This was in chapter 25. So this was last week. I forgot to mention. He's talking to Giscard and tells him how untrustworthy and dangerous Pretorius is. But then he has the nerve a minute later to ask Warden to start feeding them perhaps info. Like, hey, if he's uh, feeding things into your ear, you know, keep your ears open. And the Warden just laughs like, I don't know, man. I really took that warning you gave me about Pretorius to heart, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he does have, the again... The warden is somebody who I would love as a side character. I think, I think, just to just not love as a side character, but love to hear as a side character, and just stuck in his head all the time is kind of a nightmare. See, I, nice I think he's an excellent main character. He's, mm. I'm, I'm, even he's though I don't like him, I and think multi-dimensional. He's, yeah, he's a he's a really really well written character. I would agree, even with if that. he's not a likable person. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like Kane, honestly. Uh, I, I yeah, think Kane I, I, is more likable than Warden, yeah. but they they both kind of fall in the same boat. Like they're both like terrible people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. So 
I, I know you've you've disconnected a little bit more from Warden, but yeah. but I I hope I hope uh, she who waits does the trick for you and pulls you back in. Same, it makes two of us, or probably more than two um, of us, because I'm sure there's those listening going, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, how much of Rob's bitching I have to hear the next episode? Right. Uh, so, uh, my my uh, biggest miscellaneous point here, just just some. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Oh, uh, do so. I undid the cap on a vial of breath and let the pink vapor <laughs> filter oh, through a nostril. Good call. Not only is it confirmed to be pink, but he uses the exact same word, vapor. Nice. For the beer I, that I brought on. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally slipped. Oh my god. Pink vapor stew from Ska Brewing. That's, that's amazing. Drew McCaffrey, my friend. That is. I mean, that's something that's so impressive that even if you had read this book before, it would be no less impressive that you simply found Pink Vapor. The yeah, fact I'm... that it just happened to show up in the next episode, that's, I'm not sure if it can get cooler. Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Nice. Very no, nice. And, I'm, I'm not even, not even the next episode. That was three episodes ago. Was it? That was episode one for Lowtown. Why I have such a clear recollection of that one though? Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I yeah. Like, <laughs> I inadvertently nailed it. <laughs> nice. That's good. I love when that happens. Synchronicity, yeah. my friend. Um, <laughs> I want to. I want to rectify something I said in the last episode, which hasn't aired yet. Um, but I was thinking about it while I was listening to the audiobook this week. Mm-hmm. I had complained about the audiobook narrator in the last episode, how they swapped for a far inferior narrator. Or oh, tomorrow yeah, the killing right. and then Lowtown yeah. had. It's still true, but I I won't take back part of my complaint actually because I I've had time to think about it. If I remember correctly, I think I said that he doesn't really do accents very well. This is this would be um yes, Matt did say that something I forget his name. It's actually right here on my my uh, phone. I'll look it up real quick. But uh, that's actually not true. He actually does accents. Um, it's kind of all the same accent, but to varying degrees. I, I do want to take that back. He's he's okay doing an English accent and varying kinds of an English accent, but. He doesn't really vary the timber or the cadence of his voice at all. A lot of his characters can only be distinguished by that varying degree of, of accent. And his, his voice is not really distant, not, not really deep either like that. But I, I want to bitch about something he does with his pronunciation of certain words. I can't really bitch about Ooh. voices not being deep because I also sound like I'm 16 years old. I hear that all the time I'm, when I'm, I'm playing I'm going to warn you right now. <laughs> I'm going to warn you. What's You're up? about to bitch about how he pronounces words. Yes. Earlier, earlier in your rant here. You said the timber of his voice. Timber. Sorry. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. I totally. I. Oh sh- no no no. Hold on. I got my audiobook playing here. Hey Drew, my best buddy, friend who's in charge of uh, editing this episode. You want to do me a solid and just bleep that one so people can be like, "What did he say there?" And then try to pull their hair out, figuring out which curse word that would have been. Uh, Thank sure. You. Yeah. Yeah. Timber. Oh my god. Um. <laughs> Next time on Rob immediately proves himself, uh, contradicts himself. I want to bitch about extricates foot from mouth. Exactly. We're going to consider that like a like a like a, a parody, a, for, a form of art. Actually, it's just a commentary. No. It is a form of art. Yeah, uh, you can't yeah you know, make it up. That was too good. That was too. Sorry, good. everybody. I swear mm. it'll get better. Check this out. This is worse. I promise. Mm-hmm. Every. There are several times in this book where this audiobook narrator will say things like anything else or something else. 
It drives me oh, fucking oh. nuts when people insert random T's into their words <laughs> where they do not belong. It it totally pulled me out of what was one of the quietest, most dramatic moments in this book, by the way. Chapter 47, Drew. Yeah. As Warden is confronting a dying Montgomery, you know, about his sins and uh-huh. not helping his daughter and the whole, you could have told her what happened. You know, she would have hated you, but she'd still be alive. And then, you know, the bitter smile, you could have done the same. This is a quote, Drew. This is how the audiobook narrator delivered it. The rain tapped on the windows, a pleasant, even pattern, and my pulse slowed to meet it. Oh, no. <laughs> he managed to put a T in the middle of the word pulse. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm oh, not that's kidding you. Bad. That's bad. That pissed me off. Although oh, I'm, I'm, I'm still like red in the face from the fact that I just said timber over timber about <laughs> so four I, minutes ago. No. I'll defend you on that, though. I'll defend don't, you. Don't. Don't. It doesn't deserve it. Now, you are a massive Stormlight Archive fan. And there is a character in the Stormlight Archive named Timber, spelled the same way as Tambor, and probably properly should be pronounced Tambor based on the naming conventions of other characters like that character. <laughs> so. <laughs> Drew, you have your logistical or your logical acrobatics to defend your buddy. I love you, man. Thank you. While, <laughs> while avoiding spoiling things from a different book series. <laughs> oh, no. I can just, I got to own up to it when it happens. I've made enough to own up to it. Oh, that was a screw up. That was a screw up. That was great. I bet you it's oh, not even boy. the first time I've done that this episode, too. I bet you I've done that at some other point in this episode and I didn't even realize it. But yeah, I don't um, think so. Else, I don't think so. Pulse, my <laughs> yeah, goodness. That's, that's that is rough. So this guy I just know. has a like a, a problem with an LS construction. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, the LS structure always seems what he wants. Like, like for example, people that pronounce uh, both, but they'll, they'll put an L in there for some reason. Wolf. I, I will never understand that either. And that one also grates on my nerves, but not as much. Not quite as much. Now I'm <laughs> like, that just feels awkward trying to like shape the L. Bol- both. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, both. It's, it, bah. it makes me think of back when I was in kindergarten and kids were still learning to speak. Uh-huh. Right, and then or people learning to type, and they'll still they'll still should of of, but that's a little later. That's like eighth yeah, grade yeah, that's... MSN messenger days that would piss me off. But <laughs> oh boy, we're getting really into the weeds on this one. I, I'm getting really nitpicky about this, but I imagine a lot of people would agree with that. If you heard someone say my pulse slowed to meet it, you'd be some part of you would judge them, right? Just just a little bit, <laughs> turn around, and be like, yeah. What the yeah. Fuck did you say? Did you just say what I think he said? But, um, so, so let's yeah. talk predictions. Yes. Uh, it sounds like you have a couple of fun predictions for book three. <laughs> well, not many have needed to change to, to maintain their trajectory. I'll point out rather auspiciously, of course, that there didn't seem to be any plague infecting the masses yet. And nope. it's been three years. Nope. So between our predictions since um, I think I think this, this prediction was from the first episode of Lowtown of Wren and going dark on Warden. And now we have this still this mysterious plague waiting in the wings. And we know the last book is called She Who Waits. You know, do we expect this? This may be the most pre- predictable last book we've read on Inking Out Loud yet. No, no, no. So I, I'm not certain that's going to happen. OK, it won't surprise me, but I'm not certain. 
However, I do have a thematic prediction. Okay. Uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not sure of this, but I hope it goes here. Mazzy. Of the bones. Mazzy of the bones. Does she one. feel like a death figure to you? She felt like a bit of um, I got like a personified metaphor, perhaps. Uh, yes. A little bit. Perhaps yeah, yeah, yeah. someone who waits behind all things. Oh, oh. As, as she waited behind Adisu Hold... in the alley. Um, no. <laughs> to make her he... appearance. He... <laughs> bruh, bruh, you may have just short-circuited me for a solid eight seconds there. I may be completely off base on this, but if I'm not, this may be one of the sickest metaphorical I characters wish. I've ever read. I wish my webcam was plugged in so you could have seen my mind being born there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I I really, really hope that we get some... Some uh, personified death in Mazzy in Bone Oh, that would be such a good... Oh, such a good source of Dark Ren, too. The influence there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Mazzy of the Bones. Mazzy bones. Of the bones. Like, come on. There's also, there's also another <laughs> word, too. Mazzy of the Bones of something, right? Or Oh, let Bones, me... Sliver, Shadow. It starts with an S, I think. Uh, Mazzy... Mazzy of the Bones of something. Something. I'm sure we'll... Yeah. Uh, all right. Let me let me search my Kindle real quick. Next week when I'm listening, we got Mazzy of the Stained Bone. Stained Bone. Thank you. Stained Bone. Yeah. Interesting. That's a flashback sequence that I most definitely do not want. (laughs) Explain that name. Nuh. -uh. Yeah. Yeah. I I think she's got some (laughs) some serious. (laughs) She who waits behind all things potential. Oh, that's so, so good. I love that. I like, love that like this so much. Is some, like, oh, mm, <laughs> how do I not spoil? She is the darkness. How about that? Okay. Oh. You know? Like, there's okay. there's that, like, there isn't one character who's like, she is the darkness. There's this repeating but there theme. But there's a theme of yes. she is the darkness. And Mazzy, I feel like, is in in book one, she who waits behind all things was Celia. And now in book three, perhaps, and, and book two, she who waits behind all things could be Mazzy. I like it. I really like <laughs> it. I really like it. Yeah, this this cool. There's a lot of there's a lot of particularly noting chance in this book. And then there might've been in the last book too. I didn't pick up on it if there was in the last, but there was like yeah. three or four times in this book. I picked up on it, like Taviran like effects, you know, uh, in the I, flashbacks. If, oh, right. Yeah. I, I didn't decide to mark it down though until like chapter 43 was the one I was like, okay, I have to start writing it down now. It was like, it was chance that saved me blind, random luck. One tried for a cut to my head. One of the fighting some men and we caught our blades against each other and his fractured straight down the middle. Dren Steel was as tough as the men who wielded it, but mass produced something a half million of anything. And I guess he'll come up short a few times. So yep. Little things like that are just, there's a few too many of them. I'm thinking, yeah. hmm. Well, that sequence in particular at that battle, he got really lucky multiple times. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the one where he had to like hide from artillery for two hours in like yep. a little hole? Yep. Yeah. Mm hmm. 
That's crazy. They, Polanski did do a good job of portraying like the 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 horror of warfare in those moments. Like, oh I, yeah, I'm not sure I've I've really had like such a visceral not not visceral is the wrong word a gritty just in the mud cold miserable afraid of death feeling like reading another book as I have in the trenches in the flashbacks in this book particularly towards the end. Like, oh my god, that was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the best scene in the series so far. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> so far, so far. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Anything? Else? I think I'm done with my miscellaneous points and my prediction. Oh, that was kind of. A, I just want to say that was a half prediction. There's going to be something behind that. We're going to get it revealed in the next book. Some reason that chance or yeah, fate yeah. itself is. You know, do you think perhaps Warden could be a bit of a caricature of she who waits in some odd way like he brings mm. he's just gonna bring so much ruination and death she did kind of soothsay him Mazzy did didn't she telling him that death is in his future and he was he had this flippant remark about it like oh my god you can't ever visit these people without some of this but um man. i'm gonna say not necessarily she who waits behind all things but malatus Malatus, the the, like the, the okay the war god right to pray to Malatus or Mal he he yeah. actually thinks about Malatus a couple times doesn't he during these he does. War sequences he, he does. does I plunged forward hoping to Malatus I yes. meet the same fate he in fact has a an incredible um let's see where where's the line um we were on our own if Malatus was with us the weight <laughs> of the dren thrust would fall elsewhere. But the scarred one keeps his own counsel, and I didn't imagine the lives of a handful of infantry figured much into them. Yeah. But by the way, Malatus, super badass name. Yeah, yeah, super badass name. But it, it certainly seems in this scene, in this sequence, that uh, the scarred one <laughs> may keep his own counsel, but the life of one particular infantryman did figure into his counsel. Perhaps. Perhaps. Mm. It's interesting. It's interesting. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. So shall All we right. move to our favorite scenes? Yes. My I, I know the suspense of our favorite scene is is off the table it's, now. It's but off of the charts. Yeah. I can feel the tension. Oh, no. Yeah, is no. It's, is, it's, is your favorite scene I know. not? No, no, no. Not? I, I was sarcastic. Okay. I, 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 next time I'll work oh, a little better you. on my sarcasm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Everybody knows what it's going to be already. But it's, yeah, 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 yeah. They're waiting with bated breath. Um. I didn't actually have any honorable mentions. Go figure. Actually, no, no, no. I take that back. I did. I totally forgot about in part one, the flashback sequence with Little Rain. That was funny because she told hmm. Warden exactly what he needed to be told and should have been told a lot more in the future. He's just bad and everybody hates him. He's an odious man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my yeah. favorite though, third favorite, Roland's death. And more accurately, the way no he No way. It. That's also my third favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh, this is going to be another skin game, isn't it? Uh, maybe <laughs> the, the way in which warden still even after all this time still clearly respected it you know you can tell everything about a man by the way he faces his death or something some, that quote i paraphrased that one there but it was awesome yeah roland was uh was excellent and the audiobook narrator if he did anybody well it would have been Roland. yes Ooh, okay yeah that scene was just it, it, it was the perfect encapsulation of polanski's voice like yeah. You you have the grittiness, the the brutality, combined with that like genteel steel backbone. Mm. Mm. Yeah, really really nice writing. 
right through to the end, still the same yeah. guy. He never changed. You never saw another face on him. And that, that for some reason, that made him better. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so your second favorite. I know this Mazzy, one's going to be different. <laughs> Mazzy showing up in the alley to save Warden. The, the oh. way she, the, the fact that, well, not just the way she deals with the D suits. I was, that was like, you know, damn, you know, little birdie and everything. Just that was, that was yikes. But the fact that she showed up and it was kind of like, oh, yay moment. This is, it, it, it was pretty cool. It was actually in a way, the world building aspect of this, this, this introduction of how Mazzy is regarded and the actual danger she represents and the power she may or may not have. That was pretty cool. I like that. So, mm, yeah. Yeah, that was a, huh, that was an interesting scene. Like I, the I really that... liked the, really liked the surprise of Adisu still being alive. Uh, <clears throat> but the way it was solved felt a little. No, I, no, I, I shouldn't say that. Huh. Hmm. No, it was a good scene. It was a good scene. Okay. Bleep it if you want to later. Cut it. You have the power, man. Yeah, it was it was more um like I felt in the moment it was a little like Deus Ex Machina E. Uh really? that that's Mazzy, like we've we've been given this impression that she's just like always sitting in the same spot. And then she just decided to leave after him. But if I'm going with my like personification of she who waits behind all things, then I can't complain about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that you checked yourself before you even really got into that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I can't, I can't complain. <laughs> so our favorite scene, Drew. Well, no, my oh, wait, no, you have favorite. second. I do this every week. I do this. My goodness. Go ahead. Uh, my second favorite was Warden going to visit Rain in her. Ah, uh, it yeah, makes sense after. Yeah, I, I really loved that. Just the, the wordplay, the conversation between them, the way each of them kind of tears down each other's walls, but in different ways. Where for Warden it's very much internal, and for her it's it's a gradual wearing down of of the abrasive outwardness that she has, um, and then the way it visit uh, the the way it ends, you know, the visit ends when he leaves, and he's like, you know, I shouldn't have turned around and and looked at her again. Just, yeah, mm. and yeah. I thought in the audiobook that was an abrupt ending, but I then I pictured it on the page as a as a constructed sentence, and I went, "Ooh, no, that is good. I like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. and then and then as you said, our our we've already been over our favorite scene. Uh, yeah, as, <laughs> as as wildly as it varies between the two of us. Yeah, I, it's kind of crazy. We we have the same number three and number one. That doesn't yeah, happen well, very often. Especially in a book where where you you seem to I don't know there was there was a lot that you picked up on a lot that you appreciated that I was just like nah I don't care whatever you know <laughs> the fact that we still highlighted the same favorite scenes is uh, goes to say something I think about maybe those 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 moments of inspiration that Polanski has and he just really gets to flex you know yeah yeah exactly oh all right well I'm looking forward to the I next think... book I am 
I, dude, I want to say I am too. I, I, I am, am too. I'm expecting the next book to at least be a seven point five, in my opinion, and to have a lot that I that you will enlighten me on. That I was like, oh, okay, it's actually an eight. Never mind. Right. I'm seriously okay. expecting that. Okay. I'm seriously expecting. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still have the so trust. I, still have the uh, trust. I still have the trust. I think that brings us to the final draft. I believe it does. Yes, 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 yes. And of course, I'll start since I'm assuming I'll have the more boring choice. Since it really doesn't get much more boring than this, I'm drinking this lovely new beverages that all the cool kids are drinking. Actually, it's the adults. It's the most adult drink there is. This is uh, just two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. Is what it is. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's great. It's not, I mean, it's only 11% oxygen or hydrogen by mass if you're going by. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> nerding out. Sorry. I just did a, a biochem exam like three days ago. I got an 80%, by the way. But that that's the last of my course. Yeah. But I'm, I have yeah. everything. If anybody needs to know anything about a high school level biology or chemistry, I just happen to be the guy right now. I swear. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just drinking water for today. And it's it's good. You know, I worked a lot. So I don't want to drink anything alcoholic or else I'll just like, ugh, the hangover tomorrow will be. <laughs> But yeah, that'd be rough. So go ahead, man. Well, yeah. So I have a a bottle sitting right here uh, from Brooklyn Brewery in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, Brooklyn. And this is Tell a, us about a pretty classic beer. Uh, this is a stout aged in bourbon barrels, eleven percent alcohol by volume. Uh, this one, this one goes out to Warden. To uh, to Crispin, to Guiscard, oh. to the old man especially, to those to those who work out of Black House. Oh no! This, this beer is called Black Ops. Ooh, nice! Black Ops from Brooklyn. Yeah. Black Ops from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And nice. this this particular bottle, I think, is from 2019. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was 2020 that they went. Uh, they started doing Four Roses bourbon barrels, and this was before that. Um, it, this this one is not a Four Roses Black Ops. It, it just uh. says bourbon barrels. Doesn't specify which. So, so yeah, pretty good though. Yeah, because because this book, man, especially the second half of this book, we really found out, uh, you know, some of the some of the really shitty things. Uh, special ops does in black house although i want to point out i want to point out we still don't know what caused the split oh yeah you're right warden says you know a year later i was the the old man's second in command three years later i was selling drugs in lowtown yeah and he at one point makes reference to it saying that it was uh it was a was it a matter of morality yes and i'm like what for you Yep. This is why I still have hope for him. Oh yeah, I have hope because it's Polanski. If this is any other author, I would have stopped. I would. I would have insisted that we stopped, regardless, even if it is for the podcast. <laughs> but this is Daniel Polanski and the Builders. I'm still going off of my trust on the Builders. I'm still going off. It's so yeah. She who waits is going to be pretty dope. I expect it'll be dope. Yeah. So I uh, I think that brings us to the end of our conversation. This has been episode 160 of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Sweet. Next up, we're going to be taking a, a little break from Polanski. Yeah. I think a lot of our listeners will be uh, interested about this one. We're going to do The Slow Regard of Silent Things by Patrick Rothfuss. 
I know we haven't covered the name of the wind or wise man's fear yet, but mm-hmm. this book kind of kind of sits on its own anyway. So uh, we're we're gonna you know we're gonna check in with that, take a little breather from from the grim dark urban fantasy of Lowtown. Oh, I would love a chance to talk about Pat Rothfuss without having any excuse to bitch. Exactly. Because exactly. Just I'm gonna have to make sure we don't talk about the other two books. We have to. I'm gonna have yep. to set the precedent. Yep. At the beginning of the next episode, we're not discussing any thoughts about Pat Rothfuss outside of this book. I love it. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, if, if you want to get early access to that episode or, you know, access to all of our bonus content, check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash aching out loud. Uh, you know, all that support there means, uh, the world to us. That is why we've been able to keep this thing going for 160 episodes. As always, I have been your host, Drew McCaffrey. And with me is my co-host, Rob Santos. Right here. Thanks for listening. I will catch you next time. Timber.